I love my gifts. Thank you. I love my gifts. That barrel is fucking. I'm glad you like adorable. it. Adorable. I wanted you to have something with your name on it because it's your bar. It's, it'll fit perfectly. Somewhere. Somewhere. Welcome to Beer and Fear. My name's Paige. My name's Zach. What episode are we on? 60, 67? 66? Yes. 66. Yes. Welcome to 66 episode of Beer and Fear. This topic is Krampus. 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 Krampy. Period. Cramps. Krampus. No. Krampus. Krampy. 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 That's it. Good old Krampy. <laughs> Pappy Krampy. Mm-hmm. Because it's the 23rd December. It's almost Christmas. Grumbo, Chrysler, Christmas. It's almost Christmas Eve. Crumbolina. Christmas Eve is tomorrow. Yeah, you're right, it is. So we're doing a holiday-themed episode. I feel like we've never done a holiday-themed episode. What did we do last year? I don't think we did a holiday-themed one for Christmas. That doesn't seem like us. I swear we didn't. Look it up. Maybe it was some bonus episodes we threw out. Mm, probably. Maybe I had something going on. Maybe the whole Christmas thing mm. was going on. Uh, it says a year ago was a bonus episode, Margaritaville, and then another year ago was Solitude and Sadness, La Llorona. We did Goose Island. La Llorona. I don't see anything that screams Crimbo. Crambo. We did the Yeti 11 months ago. I guess that's close. Let's see. Uh, yeah, Solitude and Sadness, La Llorona. That was recorded on the 6th. Staying December, Frosty. December 23rd was the Mystery of Margaritaville Brewing Company. Yeah, we did the we did the Yeti on the 27th. Mm. And we did... Yeah, that came out the 30th. The Yeti. <coughs> That was our, I guess. Well, I'm dying, so tell me about your week, because this will be the last time we speak to each other. Yeah. Um, it was nice knowing you, Paige. Yeah. R.I.P. Um, Lost but not forgotten. Just, it's been stressful. I try not to stress, but a lot of... I'm not usually a last-minute person. Sometimes I do work better under stress, but it was just a lot of... I was helping Ale with gifts. I had a lot of my own gifts. She had a lot of her own stuff to put together so we've been losing a lot of sleep and it's exhausting yeah it's just it's just stressing me out but i'm at the same time i'm not trying to stress i'm trying to enjoy christmas trying to enjoy the holidays spending time with the family is really the most important thing to stress to be blessed exactly i said that right you said that um but it's been good a lot of we, I'm, I'm proud of the stuff I got. Um, yeah. I made eggnog, aged eggnog. Very excited. What's and, the shelf life on that? Uh, oh, that'll that'll last for a while. Cool. Um, what about the jam? The jam, as long as you keep it in the fridge, it okay. should last about as long as any other can of jelly okay. jar of jelly. Okay, a good a good amount of time. So it'll last for a while. The eggnog, especially because it's got a bunch of booze in it. Shit will get you fucked up. Good to know. Um, I made that for for gifts. We opened gifts right before we started recording. 
It was fun. Paige got me this really cool engraved, <coughs> custom engraved barrel mm-hmm. to hold spirits. And um, this uh, card game, this drinking card game, which I'm excited to play. Uh-uh. I got her a webcam so we could hopefully start playing video games again. But it was fun. Today I saw my mom's side of the family. Christmas Eve, seeing my dad's side of the family. Christmas, I'll be at work. Yeah. And then seeing my mom next week. That's what I got going on. How about you? Sorry, I'm holding in a cough. If you can cough that way. Yeah. <coughs> I'm sorry, you're sick, Paige. Uh, you know, it just keeps happening, so. This is like the fourth time in two months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've been working a lot. It's been a very stressful week. I'm exhausted. Uh, pretty sure I'm sick. You um, might have COVID. I might have COVID. Yeah. Um, so and I here get... we are on the couch together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry if I give you COVID. It's okay. It's, t- it's taking over the world. Yeah. We're all going to die. I mean, I'm vaccinated. Yeah, we're all vaccinated. vaccinated. It's like, what the fuck? Um, so, you know, I don't get to do anything Christmas related because I can't risk exposing my family. We'll see how you're feeling tomorrow. Um, so... That sucks. Or, I mean, go, go and wear a mask and uh, no. distance yourself from people. No. My mom's grandma, my mom's dad is, stepdad is very scared of COVID. So, mm. no, he is like 90 years old. My dad oh, is sick. Yeah. Well, not sick, but, you know, my dad has, you know, my dad has diabetes. So, he's high risk. I'm already high risk for being, you know, a smoker and obese. So, yeah. I'm going to die. Eh, if I die, I die. Yeah, but work's been a pain in the ass. Yeah. Thank God those kids are adorable. Cause it's the only thing bringing you back. That's it. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of your coworkers have gotten it. Actually, a few of my coworkers got it too. It's scary. You get vaccinated, get both vaccines, like the government, <laughs> like the government tells you to, and then like, oh well. One of my more um, conspiracy theory friends on Facebook. I mean, I guess I wouldn't really call him a friend, but. Uh-huh. I don't know. Um, shared a picture of a, like, you know, like those yogurt cards? Mm-hmm. It was dose one, dose two, booster one through seven, and then booster eight said free pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it's like, how many variants are going to come out? It's exhausting. How many Can you just, like, are we gonna stop get? mutating? God, COVID. Delta, Omicron. Omicron Percy I ate. Omicron Percy I ate. That's the first thing I thought of when yeah, I saw me too. it. It was so stupid. Can Chill just, out, COVID. Take a break. Yeah, like take a take take uh, Christmas off. Ridiculous. Winter break, man. You ever hear about that? Such a bullshit. Infectious disease. But um Yeah, it is what it is. <sighs> Christmas is here. Elise Navidad. And then I saw a post that was like a bunch of right wing conservative crazy people. Um, we're talking about how if Trump doesn't win the 2024 election, they're going to storm the Capitol again. Yeah, let's do it twice. <laughs> how, how well it worked the first time. I can't. Hmm. I just, I can't. I it makes me want to drive anymore. into oncoming traffic. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. I don't either. But I don't want to go to Mars because Elon Musk will be there and he Man, sucks. Fucking, fucking billionaires are going to take over the planets too. Oh, God. Let's just build a spaceship and and uh, be like uh, Captain Kirk. Oh, you want to build Enterprise? Yeah, we'll we'll build an Enterprise. And See, then... I don't want to be like Kirk though. Cause Who would you be? He was notorious for being an asshole on set. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. He was notorious for being a dick. I can imagine that. Um, Who would you Patrick be? Patrick Stewart. Sir Patrick Stewart. Deep mm. Space Nine, baby. I'd be... Um, Woo. I really only know the original series. I think I'd be uh, Scotty. Oh. Because I like beaming. If you catch my drift. Mm-hmm. If you catch my beam. I'm giving her all she's got. <laughs> We're giving her all she's got, Captain. <laughs> Yep, that'd be me. That's my week, though. Boo-boo. All right. Well, maybe if we don't die from COVID, Krampus will get us. Yeah, maybe. Our beer is from Victory Brewing Company. Victory Screech. (laughs) Yeah. Victory celebrates 25 years. As we celebrate our 25th year milestone in 2021... We pause to reflect on what's helped us get to this point. A little luck, hard work, commitment to quality, and a focus on innovation. Innovation. But most importantly, it's people that have had the most significant impact on our success. (laughs) Our employees, our families, our communities, and you. Oh, thank you. Over the last 25 years, we have grown to be a world-renowned craft brewery and the second largest craft brand family in our home state of Pennsylvania. We have released iconic beers that have made a significant mark on the craft industry and created lifelong fans. From Prima Pills, or I think it's Pills, Mm -hmm. Hop Devil, Dirt Wolf, and Summer Love, and of course, the immensely popular Golden Monkey and Sour Monkey. Hmm. It's been a lot of fun. The story of Victory Brewing Company actually starts on a school bus in 1973. Kids drinking beer? When fifth graders Ron Barkett, Burchett, and Bill Kowaleski, 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 stepped aboard on their way to a new school. The two became fast friends and remained so as they grew up and went to college on opposite coasts. By 1985, Bill and Ron had graduated college and developed an appreciation for good beer. Bill had access to his father's home brewing equipment and was inspired to explore this hobby. That same year, Bill gave Ron a home brewing kit as a Christmas gift. Bill and Ron developed their love of brewing, and a friendly sense of rivalry grew between the two. The good-natured competition pushed Bill and Ron to become accomplished home brewers, and as they both grew disenchanted with their jobs in the corporate world, corporate fat cats, it's all a rat race, they realized they should turn their hobby into a career. Ron left his job as a financial analyst and started an apprenticeship at Baltimore Brewing Company, BBC, not to be mistaken with the British Broadcasting Channel. The British Brewing Company? Yeah. Working under a Dutch-born and German-trained brewer named Theo de Groot. Groen. Theo de Groen. Groen. Theo de Groen. After working there for nearly a year, Ron had the necessary prerequisites to move on to study at the Technical University of Munich at Weihitzstefan. Weihitzstefan. Munich. Stefan. As Ron left to study in Germany, Bill took over his emptied role in Baltimore. While Ron was enhancing his German brewing knowledge, Bill was expanding the line of beers produced at the BBC to include several German specialty beers, many of which went on to win multiple awards at the Great American Beer Festival. After his time at BBC, <laughs> it also stands for something else, Bill completed his brewing studies by traveling to Munich, Germany to attend Doman's Institute. Doman's. After Ron's year of education in Munich, he returned stateside and took a role at Old Dominion Brewing Company in Virginia. 
Over the course of four years, the brewer, the then brewmaster, he helped to increase production mm-hmm. from 1,500 barrels annually to nearly 15,000. Damn. That's a lot of barrels. With the right knowledge, experience, and a love for quality beer on February 15th, 1996, after two years of planning, Bill and Ron opened Victory Brewing Company in what was once a Pepperidge Farm factory. That was a one and a half. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Pepperidge Farm remembers when this brewery opened. They are located in a few places. Charlotte, North Carolina, Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, Parksburg, Pennsylvania, and Downington, Pennsylvania. Got a couple tap rooms. Interestante. Excellent. Our beer, that was a lot. Our beer is called Merry Monkey. Oh. It is a special release. Belgian style ale with cranberry, orange peel, cinnamon, and nutmeg. Wow. And to all, a good night. ABV, 10%. IBU, 35. Malt is Pilsner, roasted malt, barley. Hops, Cascade, and Tetanang. Notes of, like I said, cranberry, orange peel, cinnamon, nutmeg. This Belgian style holiday ale combines the beloved flavor profile of golden monkey with notes of cranberry, orange peel, cinnamon, nutmeg, nutmeg. To deliver a delightfully smooth finish, perfect for merry gatherings with family and friends. I'd call this a merry gathering. It is only available between October and December. Got it. Come out this year, did it say? No, it's been around for a bit. Like I said, it is a strong ale. It has a score on Beer Advocate. 88, very good. It is ranked 78 in strong ales. And 88 overall. 88? Mm-hmm. It's ranked 88 overall. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> I read something wrong. Ranked 15,000. I read the score. 15, Silly page. 15,000? 15,330. So, couldn't find a beer called Krampus. No. Hmm. I could not. Did we see one at one point? I feel like we did, maybe at some point. But also, I have something planned, so. Oh. The Krampus beer would not have fit. Okay. All right, well, I'll get this one. Hold for applause. Did you get a haircut? I did. Looks nice. Thank you. Yeah. So, you told me about a beer that exploded in your car. Yeah, not this. Okay. No. Something else? Yeah, the beer from uh, the live show. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, I was sitting in my car for a while because I wasn't going to drink it. Yeah. And I kept forgetting to bring it upstairs. And Allison was going to drink it because I know she don't like that type of beer. Uh-huh. And I was just, I don't know where I was. I had to go get my DMV. I had to go to the DMV to get my new license for my <coughs> new address. And it took me on some back-ass roads. And I was driving for so fucking long. And I had the floor, like the feet heaters mm-hmm. on. And, you know, it's been in my car since October. And I have not had any issues. And just out of nowhere, I just hear this loud pop. And I'm just like, ah, oh, come on. Now my car fucking smells like nasty beer. <laughs> I was very upset. Damn. Thankfully, I have rubber floors mats, so I just took it in. That's it. good. And I bought a new air freshener, so. You don't want your car to smell like beer? No. What if I get pulled over? How do I explain that? Oh, that's a good point. Brewmaster's approval, Bill and Ron. I like the. This one's a bottle. Mm-hmm. We got a bottle. Yeah, we got a bottle. It's got a fancy monkey on it with a bow tie. 
That would be me if I were a monkey. It would be you if you were a monkey. Right. You open mine. Thanks. You're real good at that. Oh. Oh, Beverly. This is dangerous. Okay, don't explode it, please. Demi Minerbus. Demi Minerbus. Oh, my. That smells very <laughs> spiced. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Hit it with a little George Decay flavor. <laughs> it smells spicy. It smells spicy. It smells strong. It's 10%. That's as much as I'm going to drink. <laughs> Look at that color. Yeah, right? It said it was supposed to be like a kind of like a reddish. Well, it's, uh, it's a little more amber than our the last one we had. Yeah, you are correct. You are not wrong. All right, well, I'm going to grab a photo. Okay. What's that smell like? Your mama. Actually, yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> smell, like I said, it's by a it Smells strong. It smells like that wooden barrel you got me. It smells like wood. You smell like wood. I can sort of detect the fruit, like cranberry-ish. There's a fruit in there somewhere. You are a fruit in there. It's dark, but not, you know, crazy. Wow. Ooh. Ooh. There's a lot going on in there. My initial reaction is this tastes like cough syrup. Hmm. I can sort of... hurts me. I can sort of see that. It tastes like cough syrup. Again, I have a sore throat, so who knows? Maybe this is exactly what you needed. I mean, I haven't lost my taste yet. So Maybe it is a, cough syrup. It's just a bottle of cough syrup. A beer bottle of cough syrup. You hear yourself right now? You sound ridiculous. It's, uh... It's... It's... A little boozy. It is 10% ABV. The the alcohol sort of dominates on the back end. Oh, yeah. But it's initially... Very, got a bite. Initially, it's hop, it's hoppy. There's a variety of flavors, so I won't, you know, discredit Spicy. that. It definitely, you know, they definitely incorporated all the flavors they claim to be in there yeah it's uh it's a nice mingle of things yeah i don't know if i necessarily like the combination of things it's it's interesting but it's uh, a little off tasting mm. just in my palate i can't really describe that though i don't know bro yeah like woody it's like old fruit you're an old fruit <laughs> And then the back end is just very it's bitter, very boozy, and yeah, bitter. I don't know. It's crisp. It's dark. It's just uh, the the mingling of flavors isn't my cup of tea, my cup of beer. But I can sort of see how it's a it's a nice winter beer. Uh, yeah, it's got the winter vibe. Krampus, Krampus, is a horned anthropomorphic figure. Mm -hmm. In Central and Eastern Alpine folklore, who, during the Christmas season, scares children who have misbehaved. Assisting St. Nicholas, the pair visit children on the night of the 5th of December, with St. Nicholas rewarding the well-behaved children with modest gifts such as oranges, dried fruit, walnuts, and chocolate. 
while the badly behaved ones only receive punishment from Krampus with birch rods. Beat them. I don't know why they have to be birch. Yeah, beat them. In Catholicism, St. Nicholas is the patron saint of children. His saint's day falls in early December, which helps strengthen his association with the Yuletide season. Many European cultures not only welcomed the kindly man as a figure of generosity and benevolence to reward the good, but they also feared his menacing counterparts who punished the bad. Parts of Germany and Austria dread the beastly Krampus, while other Germanic regions have Belsnickel and Knecht Ruprecht, black-bearded men who carry switches to beat children. France has Hans Trapp and Père Fautard. Krampus's name is derived from the German word Krampen. Krampen. Krampen, meaning claw, and is said to be the son of hell in Norse mythology. The legendary beast also shares characteristics with other scary demonic creatures in Greek mythology, including sa- is it satyrs or satyrs? Satyrs? Yes, from satyrs. Satyrs and fauns. The history of the Krampus figure has been theorized as stretching back to pre-Christian Alpine traditions. Nicholas himself became popular in Germany around the 11th century, masked devils acting boisterously and making nuances of themselves are known in Germany since at least the 16th century, while animal-masked devils combining dreadful comic antics appeared in medieval church plays. In the aftermath of the 1932 election in Austria, the Krampus tradition was prohibited by the Dolphus regime under the clerical fascist Fatherland's Front and the Christian Social Party. In the 1950s, the government distributed pamphlets titled Krampus is an Evil Man. <laughs> Toward the end of the century, a popular resurgence of Krampus celebrations occurred and continues today. The Krampus tradition is being revived in Bavaria as well, along with a local artistic tradition of hand-carved wooden masks. Although Krampus appears in many variations, most share some common physical characteristics. He is hairy, usually brown or black, and has the cloven hooves and horns of a goat. (laughs) His long, pointed tongue lolls out, and he has fangs. Krampus carries chains thought to symbolize the binding of the devil by the Christian church. He thrashes the chains for dramatic effect. (laughs) Is that what chains sound like? That's what they sound like. Of more pagan origins are the bundles of birch branches that Krampus carries and with which he occasionally swats children. The may have had significance in pre-Christian pagan initiation rites. The birch branches are replaced with a whip in some representations. Sometimes Krampus appears with a sack or a basket strapped to his back. This is to cart off evil children for drowning, eating, or transport to hell. Whatever he feels like doing. You know. Some of the older versions make mention of naughty children being put in the bag and taken away. Uh, So there's this thing called Pichtenlauf, Mm -hmm. and it will kind of explain how... Krampus and the celebration surrounding Krampus mm-hmm. and St. Nicholas Day in uh, Europe, European countries, uh, how it kind of ties from history to now. <laughs> A seasonal play that spread throughout the Alpine regions was known as the Nikolaus Spiel, 
Nikolausspiel. Inspired by Paradise Plays, which focused on Adam and Eve's encounter with a tempter, the Nicholas Plays featured competition for the human souls and played on the question of morality. In these Nicholas plays, St. Nicholas would reward children for scholarly efforts rather than for good behavior. This is a theme that grew in Alpine regions where the Roman Catholic Church had significant influence. There were already established pagan traditions in the Alpine regions that became intertwined with Catholicism. People would masquerade as a devilish figure known as Pict, a two-legged humanoid goat with a giraffe-like neck wearing animal furs. People wore costumes and marched in processions known as Pirtenläufen, which are regarded as an earlier form of the Krampusruns. Pirtenläufen were looked at with suspicion by the Catholic Church and banned by some civil authorities. Due to sparse population and rugged environments within the Alpine region, the ban was not effective or easily enforced, rendering the ban useless. Eventually, the Pichtenleuf, inspired by the Nicholas plays, introduced St. Nicholas and his set of good morals. The Picht transformed into what is now known as the Krampus and was made to be subjected to St. Nicholas's will. So that's how the two stories kind of intertwined. Um, the Picht um, became Krampus. St. Nicholas was introduced to sort of be the Picht or Krampus's opposite in the fight against good and evil. <laughs> That's the so feast, dramatic. The Feast of St. Nicholas is celebrated in parts of Europe on December 6th. On the preceding evening of December 5, Krampusnacht, or Krampus Night, the wicked hairy devil appears on the streets, sometimes accompanying St. Nicholas and sometimes on his own. Krampus visits homes and businesses. Unlike North American versions of Santa Claus, in these celebrations, St. Nicholas concerns himself only with the good children, while Krampus is responsible for the bad. Nicholas dispenses gifts, while Krampus supplies coal and the Rutten bundles. Europeans have been exchanging greeting cards featuring Krampus, called Krampus Cotton, since the 19th century, sometimes introduced with Gruß vom Krampus, Gruß vom Krampus, which means greetings from Krampus. The cards usually have humorous rhymes and poems. Krampus is often looming menacingly over children. He is also shown as having one human foot and one cloven hoof. In some, Krampus has sexual overtones. He is sometimes pictured pursuing buxom women. So watch out, Paige. What are you trying to say? I'm buxom? Over time, the representation of Krampus and the cards has changed. Older versions have a more frightening Krampus, while modern versions have a cuter, more Cupid-like creature. Nowadays on Krampusnacht, groups of men dress as Krampus and rowdily parade through towns drinking Krampus schnapps, which is a traditional fruit brandy brewed extra strong for the occasion, and scaring children, a festivity called Krampus Life or Krampus Run. Beginning in the late 20th century, amid efforts to preserve cultural heritage, Krampus runs became increasingly popular in Austria and Germany. During this time, Krampus began to be celebrated internationally, and the monster's growing appeal was evidenced by numerous horror films. Almost unknown before this time, Krampus has begun to become part of American popular culture. So, I know there's like a Krampus movie that just recently came out. It was bad. Like within the last few years, I think. It was bad. Yeah, you watched it? Yeah, I, I didn't see it. That's my section. Oh, okay, thank God. So, because I knew you'd cover literally everything, because the topic is so vague, um, 
I'm not covering Krampus. Oh. I'm covering other known Yule monsters. All right. Because right. somebody has to cover everything. I didn't know you would... Uh... I, I didn't know if you would, like, have a Krampus, Krampus story. What story? Some Krampus stories. My, my weekend with Krampus. My Saturday with Krampus. <laughs> Baby tied me up with them chains and mm. beat me with a birch stick. Buxom women. <laughs> Buxom women. Grilla. Iceland's Christmas witch. Described as an ogress and witch by Smithsonian Magazine, Iceland's Grilla rivals Krampus for sheer holiday terror. The earliest written accounts of Grilla, or Grilla, I don't know if I'm saying it right, I don't speak Icelandic, date to 1300, but her origins in oral tradition may be far older, dating to the pre-Christian celebration of Yule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The early Icelandic Yule celebrations were in many ways more akin to Halloween than our modern winter holidays. Against the backdrop of monks' long winter darkness, Yule was a time to gather with friends and relatives both living and dead. Elves, trolls, and other creatures held sway in the grim winter. According to legend, these supernatural entities would don masks and visit the homes of unsuspecting people. The merest fearsome of these was Grilla. An ugly giantess with hooves and 15 or even 40 tails. What? Why do you need that many tails? I don't know. Balance. Grilla, which means growler in English, is said to descend from her mountain lair, gathering bad children in her sack as ingredients for her favorite stew. Variations of the kale cast the child-hungry witch as a beast with multiple heads. Variations of the kale? Of the tail. Oh, I thought... Like, there's kale involved? There's kale involved. Grilla represents kale. Living with Grilla in her home in the lava fields of Dimmaburger. Dimmaburger. I want a Dimmaburger. <laughs> Doug Dimmaburger. Why <laughs> headache? No. Is her notoriously lazy third husband, Le- Lepalawi. Lepalawi. Leprosy. Leprosy. <laughs> she became bored with the first two and killed them. And her 13 sons, the mischievous trolls known as the Yule Lads. In the 18th century, tales of Grilla and her family were considered so terrifying that parents were officially forbidden to use the legends to frighten misbehaving children. Wow, too scary. Mm-hmm. Although time has softened Iceland's Yule Lads, transforming them into jolly elf-like pranksters, the original incarnations of the 13 sons of Grilla were far more frightening. They were also more of them, according to a 2018 article in Iceland magazine. There were up to 82 Yule Lads in some of the oldest Icelandic legends. By the 1800s, the number was standardized to 13 to correspond to the 13 days of Christmas. Hmm. The Yule Lads, though filthy and misshapen, are not murderous like their infamous mother. Their antics tend more toward petty theft and mischief. Each of the lads' names corresponds with their particular behavioral quirk. For example, Beyang Nickcracker. Beyang Nickcracker. He's a sausage snatcher. He sneaks into houses and hides in the rafters, waiting for his moment to swoop down and swipe sausages. The young cracker likes his sausages. <laughs> yeah, he does. Among the stranger Yule lads is Glug a Gigger. 
Glug giggy or watch out. Glug 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 Does he glug glug a lot of drinks? He's a window peeper. Oh, he'd be wrong. He looks through windows. Despite their obvious creepiness, tales of the Yule Lads served as a practical purpose as reminders to conserve food and supplies, as well as to keep vulnerable children inside during the deadly Icelandic winters. Hide your sausages. Hide your cheese. Yeah, hide your windows. Hide your wives. Over time, the Yule Lads have evolved into benevolent Christmas spirits. Or sprites, I guess. Now considered good-natured mischief-makers, the Yule Lads clad in traditional Icelandic garb function more like 13 Santa Clauses who leave treats in the shoes of good children and potatoes, sometimes rotten in those of the naughty. That'd be a good band I mean, name. I wouldn't mind some potatoes. Rotten the, t- potatoes? The Yule Lads. Well, they probably exist. Still, they retain their descriptive names as a reminder of their unsavory origins. Make sure you wear new clothes on Christmas Eve, or else you will get a visit from Gorilla's pet. Okay. In Iceland, if you escape Gorilla's pots and manage to contend with 13 nights with the Yule Lads, there's one more terrible Christmas monster left to face. God, how much? It's like a video game. The fearsome Yolakuturin. I've heard of that one before. Yule Cat. Yolakuturin. Gorilla's pet, the immense Yule Cat, towers over the tallest houses and roams the countryside in search of food on Christmas night. However, this gargantuan tabby has no taste for kibble. The Yule Cat feasts exclusively on children who haven't received new clothes for Christmas. What if you're poor? Yeah, right. Peering through windows, the Yule Cat inspects the gifts of Icelandic children on the lookout for fresh holiday duds. If he spots anyone with old torn or threadbare clothing... He eats them. How rude. That's shitty. According to Dr. Emily Zarka, host of the PBS digital series Monstrum, the most famous account of the Yule Cat is documented in the 1932 book Christmas is Coming by Johannes Ur Kutlum. Kutlum writes... His whiskers sharp as bristles, his back arched up high, and the claws of his hairy paws were a terrible sight. In every home, people shuddered at his name. If one heard a pitiful meow, something evil would happen soon. Much like the Yule Lads, the Yule Cat served as a socioeconomic purpose. Because the Yule Cat only attacks people who do not receive new clothes, this monster likely emerged as a response to the importance of wool production. Scaring children and even adults into finishing their textile work before Christmas and the coldest part of the year. Found in the Christmas celebrations of Wales, there's the Merry Lewd. Lewd Mary? I don't know. Merry Lewd. That's how it was written. The skeletal Yuletide horse of Wales. The frightening appearance of the Merry whatever belies her mostly benevolent nature. Welsh for grey mare, she consists of a horse's skull with shiny baubles for eyes and a colorful mane of ribbons. The mare, whatever, is held aloft on a long pole by a person under a white sheet who operates the lower jaw, although no written record of the mare exists prior to 1800. Some scholars believe her to be part of pre-Christian Celtic mythology. Conversely, as detailed by Wales.com, one version of the legend of the Mary whatever 
contends that she was a pregnant mare cast out of the stables to make room for Mary and the Christ child. I'd hold a grudge. Mm -hmm. According to this version of the myth, she now roams the earth looking for a place to have her foal. The eerie winter custom is most prevalent in the southern countries or counties, Gwent and Glamorgan. 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 That sounds like a World of Warcraft place. Glamorgan? Yeah. But it has spread throughout Wales. Festooned with lights and decorations, the Mary Lude is paraded through Welsh villages between Christmas and Twelfth Night in the company of a holster. And in some regions, traditional folk characters, including a foal and a lady, the Mary Lude, Lude, Lie, Lude and her merry band go from house to house, singing <clears throat> and engaging in body rhymes with the occupants. Granting her entry to your home is considered good luck, although she may try to steal things and is known to stab, snap her bony jaws and chase people she likes. That's know. how I chase people I like. Bell Snickle. Mm. Snickle. Mentioned that one. Yeah, you did bring him up. Did you talk about him? I don't no. think you did. The Anti-Santa. The only scary Central European Christmas character to take root and thrive in the United States. Also, it was on The Office. Bell oh, Snickle. Yeah. Snickle. Snickle. Originates in southwest Germany, described as a dirty, disheveled man dressed in rags, sometimes wearing a mask with an inordinately long tongue. He functions as a rather disgusting and unsavory substitute for Santa. His pockets are laden with treats, which he scatters on the floor. However, kids who greedily lunge for the goodies too quickly find themselves on the business end of his enchanted switch. German settlers brought him to Pennsylvania, where the tradition continues. They just brought him along. <laughs> Come on, man. Hey, Bell Snickle. Hop on the boat. Come with us. Bell Snickle generally shows up in the weeks before Christmas, rapping on windows with his switch and demanding entry to homes with children. That's him rapping. <laughs> Dropping sick beats. <laughs> As detailed in a 2013 article in Allentown, Pennsylvania's Morning Call, Bell Snickle's main job is to remind youngsters that they still have a little time to mend their ways before St. Nicholas's Christmas Eve visit often portrayed by a father, uncle, or other male relatives who conveniently indisposed, who's conveniently indisposed during the visit, Bell Snickle may quiz children on the prayer they're assigned to recite in church on Christmas morning or sing a song to save themselves from the sting of his switch. I think you brought him up as well. Necked. Ruprecht. 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 In the United States, jolly old Saint Nick makes his rounds solo, save for his team of flying reindeer. However, in Germany, he brings along some muscle. To lean on the denizens of the naughty list, a close companion and assistant to St. Nicholas is that guy. Necked, whatever. Rupert. 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 Don't you? I don't like your sass. Actually, I'm better at German. Yeah, you are. You speak it. Covered in soot and ashes and clad in a dark robe or sometimes rags and tattered furs. Trails behind his benevolent boss. A forerunner of Bell's Nickel, Necked, meaning knight or servant, Ruprecht's origins vary from legend to legend. Some versions of his story maintain that he was an injured foundling, saved from death by St. Nicholas. Others cast him as a horned wild man who leaves the forest only at Christmas time. According to the travel and culture website German Girl in America, <laughs> on the evening of December 5th, St. Nicholas visits the home of children with his shadowy servant in tow. After consulting a book to see if the devil has written anything bad about a particular child, St. Nicholas makes his decision. A clean record and a recitation of the Lord's Prayer means sweets and nuts. But if Old Scratch has taken some notes, a child may receive a lump of coal or a smack with a bag of ashes. 
or be stuffed in next sack and spirit away to they smack them they smack children with bags of ashes smack smack what's that frau perkta perchta perhaps the most frightening and grisly of all german christmas legends is that of frau originating in australian actually i'm sorry austrian folklore Mm Perkta, Perchta, was initially characterized as a beautiful benevolent goddess, as detailed by Maria Alexander of Tor.com. Jacob Grimm, best known as one of the Brothers Grimm, the famous collectors of European fairy tales, wrote, <laughs> wrote that her name means shining one. Grimm associates her original form with another moon goddess of pagan European mythology, such as Holda and Diana. Clad in snowy white robes, Perchta's only grotesque aspect is her large, misshapen swan's foot, oh. which belies her ability to shapeshift. Weird. As Christianity took part, I'm sorry, took root in Central Europe, Perchta began to associate uh, to be associated with the Feast of Epiphany. She also underwent a physical transformation, active during the Twelve Days of Christmas. Perchta may appear in the aspect of a haggard crone with a long hooked nose, hmm. like Nicked. And Bell Sneakel. Frau Perchta rewards good children who say their prayers. Uh, rewards good children who say their prayers and have worked hard all year with sugar plums and nuts. However, children and adults who incur her wrath face a gruesome fate. Perchta, the belly slitter, cuts open the abdomens of those who fail to appropriately feast Whoa. during the holiday season and replaces their entrails with straw, stones, and refuse. Hmm. I don't like that. It is said only a full, round belly was said to deflect her blade. <laughs> this is gonna be butchered. I'm sorry, Greece. The Kali can Zorori. Zorori. The Kali can Zorori. Mm-hmm. A Christmas goblin, basically. Okay. Greek folklore maintains that deep within the bowels of the earth is an enormous tree supporting the planet from within. The world tree is in constant danger of being felled by a gang of malicious goblins who spend the year hacking at its trunk, hoping to destroy the earth. They're tireless in their task. By December, they've nearly completed the job, but during the 12 days of Christmas, these vile beings lay down their tools and are allowed to roam the surface of the earth and torment mankind. Some accounts describe them as tall, ugly beings with blackened skin who wear heavy iron clogs on their feet. Other tales say they're squat gnomes with long arms, red eyes, and cloven hooves on the loose during Christmas time. Their behavior varies from merely mischievous to downright vile. They intimidate people, urinate in flower beds, spoil food, tip things over, and break furniture. Hmm. Fortunately, their time on Earth is short. Banished to their underground realm on Epiphany, they return to their task of felling the world tree, which has healed during the preceding 12 days. Perry, sorry, Perry, You know what I'm talking about? I don't think you've pronounced a single one of these correctly. Nope. Perry, translated as Father Whipper, is in many ways a French analog to Germany's Necht Rupert. He accompanies St. Nicholas on his rounds and carries with him an armload of switches, as described in Christmas in France. Perry wears a dirty hooded cloak and a long, unkept beard. Like Nicked and Bale Sneakel, he is used as a holiday threat to disobedient children. On occasion, French parents may remind their little ones that Perry has been known to drag children screaming from their beds in the middle of the night 
As horrifying as that is, the real terror of Perry is in his origin story. I'm sorry. I'm... You're you're dying. It's fine. I know. Perry is the reason that St. Nicholas became recognized as the protector of children. According to legend, three small boys wandered from their home and became lost. A wicked butcher took the hungry cold children in and slaughtered them, slaughtered them for their meat. When St. Nicholas found out about the heinous act, he resurrected the children and returned them to their parents. The butcher now eternally serves Santa and repentance of his sins. Mm -hmm. Hans Trapp, yet another of St. Nicholas's dark companions. He is based in part on the story of real-life excommunicated knight Hans von Trotha. Hans Trapp is part of the celebrations of the um, Alsace region. I assume, on the borders of France and Germany? Mm. That sounds like a question. I'm asking mm -hmm. questions. No, nope, couldn't tell you. No. As described by Matt Arin on Patheist.com, Hans is a lawless blasphemer. He was in league with Satan. He used black magic and made packs with demons to secure his lavish and decadent lifestyle. Cruel and vain, Hans' evil acts drew the attention of the Pope, who excommunicated him. Exiled to the forest, Trap went mad and developed a craving for the flesh of children, like we all do. Mm -hmm. Having slain a wayward child, Trap was preparing to feast on his innocent prey when he was struck by a bolt of lightning and killed. Dressed as a scarecrow, his spirits wander. His spirit wanders from house to house at Christmas time, looking for bad children to eat. Now a companion to Saint Nicholas, he encourages the naughty to mend their ways or face a fate similar to his own. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you sound like you're dying. I don't feel good. I'm sorry. I'm really concerned. It's so hard to have Christmas in Europe. <laughs> like, there's just so many fucking things. <laughs> so many things want to kill you. <laughs> like, if you're bad, you've got, like, these ten things that could potentially hurt you, beat you with switches, or eat you. One of them is a cat. And gets mad at you for not having up-to-date clothing. Yeah, it's like, damn. Sorry, my parents didn't make enough money in the coal mines this year. We didn't have enough food this season to eat to where yeah, my, my belly was round. I didn't know a cat was in charge of making these grand decisions over what is fresh new clothing. So you don't hard. even wear clothes. So You're hard. a cat. Out here, it's just like, yeah, Santa will get you whatever the hell he asks for. No, he, he checks his list twice, and you know, if he no, finds out who's naughty or nice, he'll give, he'll give you coal. Yeah, you can just get coal though. You don't get like beatings. Yeah, you don't get your stomach cut open <laughs> or kidnapped. I'll stay in the U.S. for Christmas. Yeah. What do you think of the beer? It was weird. It tastes like cough syrup. It's hard to drink. It hurt my throat. Hmm. Smelled good. Smelled spicy. Yeah, it smelled, smelled interesting. Like, the smell was, the aroma was nice. Yeah, it smelled like a, a uh, fruited ale of some kind. Initially, yeah. hoppy, bitter, some... Uh, smelled like spiced meat. Yeah, some woody notes in there with some spices. A little, like, fruit was in the background. Uh, and then, like, the aftertaste just got a little weird. A little too yeah. funky for me. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. But, again, I can see how it can be a Christmas sale. 10%, nice, and uh, it's got that Christmassy vibe to it, just You're like right. last week's. You're totally right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, God. You're really sick, and I'm really tired. I don't feel good at all. 
Beerandfearcast.com is our website. Yeah. Watch our um, live streams. Yeah. Um, we do those as we record the episode, but the video episodes also get released on YouTube. The same time our audio episodes get released every Wednesday yeah. at 12 p.m. Central Time. He's right. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, TikTok is where you can follow us and stay up to date with our stuff. Beerandfearcast at gmail.com is where you can email us if you want to reach out. And uh, this podcast is available on every popular podcast platform. If you have a podcast pl- platform that we're not on, let us know and we'll, we'll fix that. But uh, hope you enjoy listening to this very uh, sick and tired um, Christmas special, 2021 Christmas COVID special. Mm-hmm. About Krampus.